The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body, supplying the much-needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. Hello, brethren, and welcome back to Our Father's Heart. And I can tell that many of you for the last seven days have been waiting with great anticipation for part two and what the Word has to say for the women. Remember, this teaching was probably an hour and a half long. And for the record, I'd like to say that I spent more time on man's responsibility than I did the women. So without any further ado, enjoy the second part to divine familial responsibility. So let's see the wives. It's kind of in the same place. Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll go through 22 and 24. Patricia, you can start. No, I thought we read that. Uh, we read above it. We oh, started okay. at 25. All right. Uh, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Mm. So wives, your responsibility is to submit yourselves to your own husband. Just like Christ submits itself unto, uh, excuse me, just like the church submits itself unto Christ, in the same manner, the woman is supposed to submit herself unto uh, her husband. And it doesn't say in some of the things. Did y'all catch that? So let the wives be uh, be to their own husbands in what? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Even though you may disagree in everything. Now, you're not to submit to your husband. Let, let's clarify this because some people can go off the deep end and say, well, what if he's telling me to sin? Well, obviously not. No, you don't submit to your husband that you submit your you submit to your husband as unto the Lord. The Lord is not going to have you sin. So if your husband all of a sudden loses his mind and wants you to go sin and put yourself on the streets to go do something, you know, with some other people, obviously, no, no. Um, but as unto the Lord means when he is right in the Lord or when he is doing something that is not contrary to the Lord, then you submit and you do it the way that he has uh, chosen to do it. Remember, you're his help me. You're his partner. Man can't do it alone. And man is desirous of a companion. So sometimes when your opposites, and, and it doesn't sound like you guys are like opposites, you know, they say opposites are tried. It doesn't sound like you're opposite, but you're always going to have some things that are just opposite. Um, it's an opportunity for y'all to be creative and figure out a creative way to be able to assist each other to get it done. According to Proverbs 31, which would probably be just in a little bit, um, 
It says in verse 12 of Proverbs 31 that she, the wife, does him good, not evil, all the days of her life. And if a woman has a low view of themselves, that causes problems. She needs to have some sense of uh, confidence, uh, not only in herself, but also confidence in what the Lord is capable of doing through her. Man should be better off with the woman. She assists her husband uh, in many different ways, um, but I think we're probably going to read uh, Proverbs 31 to, to kind of be more specific. So if you can turn there, because I'm, I'm looking at these notes, I'm like, yeah, we should just probably read it because we can take little verses of scripture and we can think, man, the woman doesn't really do much. She just sits there quietly and listens to her husband and does whatever he says. And that's not what the scriptures describe. So we're going to read Proverbs 31 right now so that you can see a biblical depiction uh, of what the scriptures say is a virtuous woman, but this virtuous woman is actually a wife. So let me find it here. Proverbs chapter 31, the last chapter in that book. And we'll start in verse 10. And we'll read it to the end. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Oh, she's not there yet. <laughs> you want to do a reverse? Yeah, go ahead. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool, flax, and worketh well with the of her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth the field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planeth the vine. A vineyard. She girdeth the Lord with strength and strengthening her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold to the staff. She stretcheth out her hand to the pool, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, and he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine women and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in the time to come. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. 
Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Hmm. So an excellent woman, a virtuous woman, is noble and is rare. And it's very important that Jordan looked for this. And it's very important that you strive to be this type of woman. Because there are some men that can't trust their women to support them and enhance their, what was the focus of all of our enhancements here? Her family, her home. It wasn't about her making a great name for herself. It wasn't about her becoming the top CEO of the corporation. No, she wasn't making a name for herself outside of her husband. She was enhancing her husband by taking care of the home in a major, major way. And Jordan hasn't selected a woman because of charm or beauty. Not that you're not. Okay. But that's not, that's not going to, to last because it's a physical thing. But beauty actually comes from the heart. I've always believed that. I've always told my wife that. Um, and hopefully she doesn't, she hasn't accepted it as if I don't think that she's naturally attractive, but her heart is what attracted me most because I saw what was in her heart and it was these attributes of a virtuous woman that, man, that's going to last forever. Not the physical appearance. Um, so we as men would be wise not to select a person simply because they're beautiful on the outside. It really needs to be on the inside. So when we find that, that woman that is beautiful on the inside, we find an excellent woman. And, and a, a woman who's virtuous, a, new, a woman who's noble, rare, excellent, uh, that has decided to put what my wife said, her family first, her home first. There is, I mean, you guys can study it on your own sure you will as life goes on, that in the Bible, there's really no command for a woman to have a career. It's not there. What she is commanded to, what she's been given responsibility and requirements to manage is the domain and the welfare of her home. Anything outside of the home can be done. The ver- the, all that whole, what, 20-something verses? Yeah, 21 verses? That doesn't show her only working in the home, but she does everything even outside a home to complement what she has already done in the home. When the needs of the home are sufficiently met, she'll then go out and do this with this merchant and do that with that merchant. But her home is taken care of. And so one of the um, temptations that the world will have and that we've seen it over the last 30, 50 years is to get the woman out of the home and get her working. That has had tremendous adverse effects on our society in this nation because when both parents are not at home, who's raising the kids? It's not the parents. It's the TV and it's the public school education system. And if you've been watching what's been happening in the last 50 years, you can see why our society is where it is right now. That's one of the major reasons. Others is absentee fathers or, or, or families without a father. Because when you take the father out of the picture, 
you have taken a huge chunk of what God was wanting to do in that family because you took out the head of that home. So it's really important that this is, this is one of the ways, practically speaking, how the woman is able to help support the man. The man has got to go out there. He's got to do the things that God has called him to do. And the woman at home is working in conjunction with him, but taking care of the things at home because he can't do both. He cannot do both. But when he comes home, that doesn't mean he's like, no, you handle everything, wifey. No, it's his responsibility at home too. He's called to take care of the, the, the children and to raise them and to train them in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord and to come back and be a spiritual uh, head, not only for you, but also for the children. So his work never ceases, never ends, which is why he needs your help so much because he just cannot do it. Which means the role of the wife is immensely valuable. It's immensely important. It is not some side note here where you're just waiting to be told what to do by your husband. No, this woman went out there under the covering of her husband and did those things. It says over here that her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Why is her husband so well known? Because they know what his wife is doing at home and how they're dressed in silk and purple and, and how they have all of these things in the house and how she goes out and she's a merchant. She's just bringing a good name to him because of all the things that she's doing. The primary uh, uh, responsibility of the woman is to be the keeper of the home. If you look at Titus 2, if you, I don't know if you're taking notes, but Titus 2, 3 through 5, this is in the New Covenant, Titus 2, 3 through 5, it says, anybody have it, you can go ahead and read it. The aged woman, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not falsifiers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Right here, Paul is writing to Titus, who is ministering in his stead and telling them to teach the saints that the older women, the aged women, that they teach the younger women certain aspects of their life, of their attributes. They should be sober. They should love their husbands. They should love their children. They're to be discreet. They're to be chaste and keeping the home, good, obedient to their own husband. That is the new covenant perspective of the responsibilities of a woman and it is incredibly important. So much so that he's telling the older women who have already been there and done that to help them do that. Because all of that is, a, is an example of Christ and the church in the earth. Because when a woman doesn't do that, the word of God is what? Blaspheme. It's talked badly about. Oh, you're a Christian? And you're doing this and look at the wreck of your home and, and your children are off the wall doing all of these things and out in the streets. Why? Because you both left the house and you thought your career was more important than your children. No, that we're missing the point. 
We've, we've missed God's purpose. God's purpose is that you would multiply and fill the earth with godly seed. That's your purpose in coming together. Otherwise, you would have stayed separate because then you don't need to multiply and fill the earth. You could just go out and have spiritual children. And you preach the gospel and you bring in spiritual children. But if you come together in the flesh, you should be raising godly children in your own home. And to do that adequately, you've got to be watching over everything that's going on making sure that she's doing what she needs to be doing and you need to make sure that you are loving your husband and loving your children and, and being discreet and, you know, the contrary or the opposite of this is being a gossip and, and meddling in other people's affairs and on all of this stuff, like, it, it happens. I mean, it's human nature, especially when uh, anybody doesn't have anything on their hands to do. What do we do? We get in trouble. That's why we want to keep our kids busy. Don't just let them hang out at home. And do nothing. No, give them a job. Give them chores. Let them go into sports. You know, let them get into music. Let them do something because if they don't do anything, they're going to get into trouble. So the same thing with the woman. Find out what your responsibilities are and work at them and, and, and make sure that, that, that you're handling your business at home so that when your husband comes home, you know, you can then tend to him and he can then tend to you and tend to the needs of the children. And then it says in 1 Timothy 5... And this is the same writer. Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul, uh, excuse me, Paul wrote to Titus, and Paul also wrote to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 5, we can go to just 14. He says, I will therefore that the younger women marry. For what purpose? Bear children. That's just, that's such a natural part of marriage that you bear children. Guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Again, you're, this institution of marriage is not just about you. You're representing Christ out there and we don't want Christ to be spoken of illy. We don't want the enemy to come rising up against Christ and you guys because you have left your first love which was God's purpose and will in your life. So that's another responsibility that, that uh, women need to uh, take seriously in the wives. So we go back to the virtuous woman. It says she is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. Shopping. Why did she go afar for her shopping? To find sales, that's right. She wasn't going about to try to find the most expensive thing. So her husband was going to say, what? You spent that? No, she went out to find the best deals. I mean, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to bring something that was thousands of years old to our practical day. She goes out to find the best deal. She's not trying to break the family's back, financial back. She's not trying to break the bank. She's a good wise investor. And if she's got to cut out coupons from the thing or she's got to get digital coupons off of the Kroger app or the Publix app or the Kohl's app or whatever, she's going to do that because she's just not going to spend the money frivolously just because her, her, you know, her wife is able to just bring in the dough. She's wise investor. That takes, that takes skill. That takes wisdom. That takes gifts. 
She feeds her household as well as her maids. I don't know if y'all have maids, but you might have neighbors or, or, or anybody that just works closely with you in the whole and you invest in them. You have anybody, I mean, you invest, you know, there, there are some people in America that do have, you know, maids or servants coming in. They're not slaves. Um, but it would be wise of them that if they did like have someone clean their house, you know, or a nanny, there was a time in our, in our nation where there was a bunch of nannies, uh, taking care of the kids so that the women could go gossip and their men were out the house doing their thing. And the nannies were taking care of the kids. Um, but if you had that type of scenario, it would be really wise of you to invest in that person. Why? She's taking care of your kids or she's cleaning your house or she's doing this. The better you treat her, the better she's going to work for you in the house. That's just wisdom. You're not going to treat them badly because then they're going to be and they're not going to do everything like you want it done because they're so upset with you. It's only wise for you to treat and invest in them. So again, that's just wisdom compounded with more wisdom, compounded with more wisdom. And man should invest in her wife the same way. You want more out of your wife? You're going to invest in her more. You're going to feed her and seed her and nourish her and, 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 and do all of the wonderful things. And she's going to want to bring more and more out for you. Now, some may say, well, are you saying that she can't have a career? She can't be out there working in the business world? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that if you choose your career and give up your role as a godly wife or as a godly mother to get it, then you are doing it completely opposite of what the scriptures want because the scriptures want you to make your home, your family, your priority. The job of the husband is to be the breadwinner. That's his priority. And if he doesn't do it, then he's not doing his job. If he wants to sit at home and sit on the couch and play video games, which we've seen marriages where the husband is just playing video games all day long and their relationship did not last. They got divorced because he wasn't doing his role. He wasn't fulfilling his responsibility. Um, but his responsibility is the main breadwinner to the economic welfare of the family. Can a woman help out in that? According to the virtuous woman, absolutely. It's not that she can't go out there and do that, but if she sacrifices her godly given priorities to do that, now she's out of line. And the man has got to see that and say, whoa, 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 you're going a little too far there. I know you want to help out, but no, 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 no. We don't need the money that bad. You know? You don't compromise your God-given calling is what I'm saying. If you compromise your God-given calling, then there's going to be problems. There's going, you're going to reap what you sow. And you want to sow where God has told you to sow. Because when you sow where God has told you to sow, you're bound to reap a harvest. You sow anywhere else, you might as well flip a coin. And know that the enemy is against you to bring you down. Yeah, sure. I wanted to, you know, the submission decision is important. Um, it is an area that I've seen a lot of women that I've ministered to. Um, some have needed counsel and it's turned around, and others have not, and it's not gone well. You know, that God honors our submission. And even when our husbands are not intact, they're not doing what we think they should be doing, we need to trust God enough to pray 
to speak to them and appeal to them, but then they just have to pray. I've seen a lot of women jump in the driver's seat because their husband wasn't going in the direction they wanted or wasn't doing what he needed to do. And the husband was pretty comfortable just being a passenger, and they were heading for a train wreck. I know many of times I've had good women friends or people from church that the first question I ask them is, are you willing to get out of the driver's seat? Because that's the problem. On, on the side of, once you have done everything you know how to do, then I know that God is faithful. And it may take time. It may take time because that time is a time of testing. It may be time with suffering. But, you know, I, I say this to you, Carol, because I know, you know, I see a strength in you, which is a very good thing. But it, it can be a double-edged sword. And because I'm very much like that myself. I'm a solution person. Like, what's the solution? And sometimes I have had to repent of having taken a puzzle that was not mine to take. Because I didn't think that the problem was getting addressed or the solution was coming fast enough. And most of the time, that train wrecks. And it's because God loves us so much that he wants to make sure we don't get confused. Sometimes people jump in and they create a solution and they think, oh, this is the way it should be. And then they have to you see role reversal in the household. And role reversal not only wrecks that marriage, but it also wrecks the children because what have they learned? The role reversal. You know, the girls are doing the same thing in their prospective marriages, but they have that same concept of I can, I'm the one coming up with all the solutions. They even brag about it, like on social media. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm dying when I'm watching stuff like that because it pains me because I know that that's the enemy with the fruit tempting the woman. There's always we need to know. Um, and then just quickly, I have a friend who, to me, was the epitome of submission. I don't know that I could do what she did, but I know the Lord let me watch it teach me a lesson. You know, stuff went wrong in their marriage. Husband was not acting right. Church was not acting right. Because it was sort of a, they were supporting some of what the husband was doing. And so, you know, eventually she had to go to a different church to get some peace of mind. And then when they got back together, both the same denomination, by the way, but in this denomination, people get a little bit territorial. So um, pastor of the church she went to was wise and said, we need to get everyone together. We need to fix this. This isn't good. You're here. He's there. You're not getting together. Something's wrong. Well, once they got back together, he wanted to stay in the church where all the problems had happened. And in a way, she had been humiliated. She made the decision to obey her husband. And I was like, because I went through this whole process with her. You know, three months later, the husband decided to leave that church and go to the church that she had left to. So God honored her. He covered her. You know, she had to endure the three months of people acting really bad because they continued to act bad towards her. They had judged her and they were treating her badly. But she she withstood it. Her husband covered her. He didn't, you know, like if he knew, I, I, I want to say, you know, he wasn't being like really ugly or anything. He wanted to make the marriage get back together again. But she continued to be humble and submitted, and the Lord changed his heart. And then they all left for the, be for the better of the whole family. 
and they went to the other church where the pastor was a little bit more sensible and more um, inclined to do what was right for the family. So that was just one example. There's many that I could say bad and good, but you know, it, it is important with your personality, solution person, let me get this done, let me figure this out, to trust the Lord and let him lead your husband and come alongside your husband. So. And it's going to be okay if you give some suggestions, some things that you've thought about. It's good to have those conversations. Even if you've thought um, about them, which you do. <laughs> and if you happen to disagree, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not that you don't trust him, but you put your trust in the Lord that he's going to work it out no matter what because he's going to make mistakes. And then he's going to make some really good decisions that you were in disagreement with. And you're like, oh, that worked out well. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, okay, okay. So you've got to, you, you've got to be patient with one another, uh, knowing that in the end, if I put my trust in the Lord and I put my trust in the Lord, God is going to work this situation out for our good, even though we don't see eye to eye right now. Um, and just keep your trust in him. It's when you take it off and you try to do everything, you know, on your own or on the side and finagle and, you know, be like Jacob, you know, always trying to swindle somebody to go get something that he wants on his own. It it doesn't work out well. Women kind of fall into the temptation of the manipulating thing to Mm -hmm. bring it about anyway. Um, Going around with the husband, you know, finding a way around everything. You have to be really, and you know, Jordan, I know you know this, but for you, you got to stand strong um, in your authority, in your who you are in Christ and mm-hmm. who you're supposed to be as a priest. I respect Jay tremendously because, I mean, sometimes I haven't liked it. He's so, you know, strong about stuff. But in watching so many marriages and friends and situations that the husband wasn't that way, mm-hmm. there's been train wrecks, and they've been very bad. So... So as we finish this uh, responsibility of the woman, when I read verse 13 of that virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, it says, she worketh willingly with her hands. When I read verse 16 of this one that says, with the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. When I read about verse 24, she makes fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. That that's a depiction of a hardworking woman. She chose a career. She chose things that complemented her home because she worked willingly with the wool, the sea, and the flax. She worked willingly with the linens and 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 the coverings. She worked willingly to plant a vineyard. She worked hard. She wasn't just sitting back and just waiting for tell me what to do now, husband. No, I mean she's hardworking. And she and all of the things she's doing, she's supplementing what the husband was already doing on his own. So, in the end, what makes this woman so special is verse 30. A woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. She walks with reverence toward the Lord. That's what she's conveying to everyone out there in all of the actions that she's doing. It's not about making a name for herself. It's not about making, you know, the top of whatever career ladder I have. It, it was, I'm taking care of my home. I'm taking care of my children. I'm taking care of my husband. Even, my, even every, everybody knows my husband because of what I'm doing here. Not because I'm making a name for myself, because I'm just being faithful to the Lord. She did that because she uh, feared the Lord. 
And with the fruit of that, if, if you do that, your children and your husband are going to bless you and they're going to praise you. So praise your women or your woman and don't take it for granted. Because that's, that's one thing they, they, they don't want. I think you can attest to that is feeling a sense of just being taken for granted. So we're about to close out. Um, I want you to, um, I guess this is a sobering part. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about marriage in general, how God sees it. Uh, what are the um, responsibilities that you have as a husband or the responsibilities that you have as a wife? And then kind of go back to the overall picture of the covenant of marriage um, and, and how God sees it and how serious it is to him. So in Malachi 2, verse 14, 15, and 16. Anybody know who last one? It did? Okay, so I'll, I'll start. Malachi 2, starting in verse 14. Yet ye say, wherefore, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant? And did not he make one? Yet he had, had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none do, deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away for one covenant, co- covereth violence with his garment, so the Lord of the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit, that ye deal not treacherously. Those three verses show you that God takes covenant incredibly seriously. He holds you accountable. You are a wife and a husband by covenant, his covenant. And covenant includes more than just some kind of contract. It's tied into your relationship. And so in God's eyes, one of the first reasons, again, that you, that you, you get married is that you procreate, you multiply, you have dominion over the earth. Um, God is disseminated worldwide through godly children that this takes place, that this happens. Um, remember that we are a divine illustration of God on the earth and his relationship with the church on the earth. Covenant was his idea. Marriage was his idea. And because it's a divine covenant, according to verse 14, it wasn't man's idea. It wasn't his bright idea to do this. God did this. Only God can disallow a marriage. He can, only he can break a divine covenant. Yet, according to what we just read, he hates it. That's not something he wants done because it reflects him. He doesn't divorce his church. He doesn't leave her. He doesn't forsake her. They may. And there may be certain members of the church that will turn away, walk away. But he remains faithful no matter what. And when you go into this relationship and you go into this marriage, you both have to like, I'm never, ever 
going to entertain the thoughts of a divorce. Period. Point blank. It just doesn't come up. You can't get a legal spiritual divorce by a human. It doesn't matter what paperwork you drum up. God sees you as married still because that was his problem with them. How could you deal treacherously with the wife of your youth? You, you went and divorced them. You put them away and you thought of putting a covering of violence with the garment as if I don't see it. Remember number two, principle number two. Your marriage functions under authority. There's a hierarchy. The man and woman, you both submit to Christ individually. But the woman submits to the man. The man submits to Christ. And the children submit to you two. Everybody's under authority. Everybody's under hedge. That's how you learn how to relate to God. That's why you both have to be in lock and step for this so that your children will learn, oh, this is the way that we function as a family under God. We all are answerable to him. And so they'll learn that that headship, they'll learn that authority, that submission very early on through your relationship with each other. Principle number three, you enter this under the penalty of death. Ouch. When you break covenant with God, you die a covenantal death. And it's when you die a covenantal death that the problem in your relationships are going to rise. So basically what we're saying is if you break covenant with God as an individual, you're bound to have issues and problems in your marriage. And if you do the same, you're bound to have issues and problems in your marriage. That covenant with God has to remain strong and steadfast. And as long as it does, you guys will be able to overcome anything. God will give you the victory over everything that comes into your life, whether it be financial, whether it be career, whether it be housing, whether it be sickness, disease, uh, whatever, you will be able to have the victory because you're steadfast and secure individually with God and then together, uh, tied together. Remember, when there's problems in the relationship, your worship and your prayer, he's not going to hear you. If you are not dealing with some things and not trying to address them and you just think, I could just ignore it, brush it under the rug. Yet the more you brush it under the rug, the bigger the lump in that rug becomes so that someone steps on it, it goes, and you got all this stuff all over the place. Why? Because you never dealt with it. You don't want to sweep stuff under the rug. Remember what it said in 1 Peter 3, 7. Um, Your prayers may go unhindered. Or unheard. And the marriage covenant is how you transfer the blessings. Attached to God's covenant are his blessings, but you're also his cursings. You can get that from Deuteronomy 28. You walk in God's covenant, you obey him. He says, I'm going to bless you with this and this and this and this and that. You go in that same chapter, it says, but if you don't and you rebel and you, you're going to suffer this, this, this and this. You're in a covenant. Walk in the covenant and maintain the covenant and you will have God's favor and God's blessings. You break covenant and you won't. Remember that he hates divorce. He takes this covenant very seriously. So you two don't seem like you're just some two adolescent 
people that don't know any better and you're just getting into a relationship. Um, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to end there and, and just leave you with um, some notes. I can either email it to you or I can print them out for you and give them to you now. It's up to you. And then you can just use it for your further studies in the future or just have it as reference points to kind of remind you of some of the things we talked about today. Amen. I think uh, yeah. Email. Email. That's, uh, that's good. We can do it. Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart, and express the Father's heart to you. If you appreciate listening to this podcast and we're blessed, pass it along to someone else by text, email, or word of mouth, in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. One, pray for us. Two, leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus or cash app dollar sign jbenjesus or Venmo jbenjesus. That's J. B-E-N-J-E-S-U-S. God bless.